Today on Hardwired. Do you know that a lot of what happens to you in your Christian lives, as a matter of fact, just about everything, God does for you, He does it because of Jesus. He does it because of Jesus. Say, well, doesn't He love me? Yes, He loves you and He loves me. But He's honoring what the Son did, His death, His resurrection, giving His life. So when God answers your prayer, He does it for Jesus. Welcome to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. Whether you find yourself in a good place, maybe in a difficult place, or possibly even in a very lonely place, let me encourage you that you've come to the right place. Now, if you're not able to stick around with us for all of today's program, you can always listen to it at our website, hardwired.org. You may have been listening to the program for a while or possibly just tuned in. Well, I want you to know that we do this for you. With a world that is searching and coming up empty, it's nice to know you can land on this message of hope and truth, something we all need to hear. So let's jump right in with today's program. Here's Pastor Jeff to tell us what's coming up in today's edition of Hardwired. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you for joining us. You know, one of my favorite books in the New Testament is the little book of Jude, one chapter long, but it's so full of prophetic fire of timely warnings for our day and culture and great, great teaching and assurance of our salvation to come. I love this little book and I'm so excited to share it with you today. I can't wait to share part two of the message, Hey Jude. Let's jump right in. I'm gonna begin just by giving you an introduction to the book. I want you to know the Bible. I want you to understand where these letters came from that are very old, a couple of thousand years old, and yet they are the inspired Word of God. Let's remember, 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us all scripture is given by Theonoustos, the breathing out of God. God spoke and gave us these words. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and all Scripture is profitable. Even Leviticus, and even the begat so-and-so, begat so-and-so, who begat so-and-so, somehow, somewhere, that's profitable. So tonight, let's just begin and learn about Jude. Amen? A brief outline. First two verses, the introduction, and that's what we're covering tonight. The reason for the letter. What is it, everybody? What's the reason? apostasy, a turning from the truth, a turning from the faith once delivered to the saints. That's the way Jude phrases it. He says, you ought to, he's speaking to the believers, he says, you ought to be fighting earnestly, contending for the faith, the faith once delivered to the saints. This Judas was a brother of James, the pastor of the church of Jerusalem, and he's named among the brethren of the Lord Jesus. What does that mean? This makes him a brother of the Lord Jesus in the family of Joseph and Mary. He doesn't strut that he's the half-brother of Jesus. And I'll tell you why I don't think that he does. Because they persecuted Jesus until the resurrection. They didn't even believe in him. They gave Jesus a hard time. And I'm going to show you that in just a minute. They, they made fun of him and mocked him. You can find this in the book of John. So it's, it's sort of like, wow, you know, after all that trouble I gave him, I realized after he was resurrected that he was the son of God. And now what, what am I? I'm a bond servant. It's one of the more powerful testimonies of the truth of Jesus as the son of God, that his own half brothers, both James and Jude, 
called him the Christ. Wow. I read that. I started thinking about that. You know, he's either insane, Jesus, and what he said about himself, or he is the son of God. And if he's the son of God, can you just imagine the power of having grown up with him and then realizing, oh my, that's why he was never in trouble. That's why he never got whipped. That's why he was always straight-laced. He was the son of God. And to end up calling him my Lord and Christ and saying, I'm nothing but his doulos, his slave, that is one of the greatest testimonies to me of the reality of Jesus as the son of God. He's just his humble bond slave following the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, the best Greek texts have the word agapao, or love, instead of sanctified. And so, and what I'm referring to there is when he says, those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ, the best manuscripts, what we call extant manuscripts that we've got available to us today, don't use sanctified, they use love. So I'm just going to go to that and just say that love. So the way it really reads is, to those who are called, loved by God the Father, loved by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ. Everybody with me? So say with me, loved. loved. All right. Now, love is in the perfect tense, which speaks of a past act having permanent results. How many of you in here are married? All right. You remember when you said, I do, and you slipped that ring on your spouse's finger? Now, if we were using or referring to that, that time, your wedding, we would use the perfect tense because you put the ring on your spouse's finger, and that was an act that happened in the past. But how many of you that are married can say it's still having results today? Amen. You better say it. <laughs> Not me, Pastor Jeff. I've outgrown it. Look, I, you got to get where I'm going now. I'm just trying to show you what the perfect tense is. So when the perfect tense is used in the Greek language, he's saying something happened back there, but it's still affecting you today. Now, love is in the perfect tense to those loved by God the Father. It means that we, the saints, are the permanent objects of God's love. He didn't love us back then and walk away. He loved us back then. And how many of you can say he's still loving me today? So that love impacted you back then, but it's still impacting you today. And guess what? It's forever. So we are the permanent objects of God's love, including throughout all eternity. All eternity. That's a long time. One trillion years from now. We're going to be going, wow, trillions of years ago, he loved me, and it's still impacting me. He loves me still. He wants us to understand God's love is permanent. It's not a temporary, flighty thing. It's permanent. So Jude is writing to those who have been loved by God the Father and who are the objects of his eternal, undying love. Can we say, thank you, God. We're, we're recipients of eternal love. Praise God. And guess what? When you mess up, he doesn't say, well, 
it's been real, see you later and walk away. He loves you. He's got you written on the palm of his hand. You are tattooed on the palm of God's hand. He's never going to walk away from you. He's not ever going to forsake you. He can't because he just told us his love is forever. Hallelujah. Now preserved, I like that word. How many of you like the word preserved? I love that word. Because he says now, he says to those who are called, loved by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ. All right? It's the word tereo. And here's what it means. To guard, to hold firmly, to watch, or to keep. It expresses possession of what is being guarded. When he uses the word preserve, he says, God is not only guarding you, but you are his possession, and that's why he's guarding you. You are God's possession. You were purchased, not with American dollars, not with Chinese yen, not any of those things. You were purchased with the only currency that could buy you, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ. And now that that blood purchased you and ransomed you, you are his possession, and he's guarding his owned possession. He's preserving you. And what I like about I just love the perfect tense in the Greek because it's preserved is also in the perfect tense, meaning that we are in God the Father's permanent watchful care. Like a parent carefully watches his or her children in a crowded store. God never lets us out of his sight. He's watching you day and night. He has insomnia. When you go to sleep, he doesn't. When you wake up in the morning, he's watched you all night long. He is watching over you and guarding you because you're his bought, purchased possession. Now, when I read that, it says this to me. There must be something after us or he wouldn't be having to guard us. And that is the enemy of our soul. He's always looking for a way to get at us. But God says, I'm guarding you because I bought you. I'm guarding you, watching over you. My eyes peeled on you. You're never out of my sight, never out of my care. I'm watching you. That's comforting. In Jesus Christ. Now, look what it says. You are preserved in Jesus Christ. That means that God is keeping us guarded for Jesus Christ. Do you know that a lot of what happens to you in your Christian lives, as a matter of fact, just about everything God does for you, he does it because of Jesus. He does it because of Jesus. Say, well, doesn't he love me? Yes, he loves you and he loves me. But he's honoring what the son did, his death, his resurrection, giving his life. So when God answers your prayer, he does it for Jesus. When God heals you, he does it for Jesus. When God gives you wisdom, he does it for Jesus. When he guides you along the way, he does it for Jesus. That's what he's telling us right here. You are preserved, not in, but for Jesus Christ. Look what Jesus prayed in John 17, 11. Can we read it together? Holy Father, guard them, guard them. As they pursue this life, that you conferred as a gift, how? Through me, so they can be one heart and mine. Now, how many of you think that Jesus ever prayed a prayer that God did not answer? No. He, every prayer he prayed, he got it because he prayed according to the will of God, being God. And so Jesus right here prays, Father, guard them, guard them. Now I have given them the life that you sent me to give them. Now guard them. You know what God said? Yea and amen through Jesus Christ. 
And so why does God guard us? He's answering Jesus' prayer. So it's not dependent on our perfection. It's dependent on the prayer of Jesus. So he's guarding you in answer to Jesus' prayer. Amen. We'll get back to Pastor Jeff in a moment to close out today's program. But first, I want to share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to share the life-changing good news of Jesus Christ in a way that gets hardwired into your life. And we trust these messages from Pastor Jeff aren't something you can only listen to and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's a priority to us. And you get to join us in this important mission. Call us at 877-884-3111 to say you're in. Or drop us a line at our website, hardwired.org. Well, here's Pastor Jeff with the rest of today's program. Jesus committed we Christians into the watchful care of God the Father. And he in turn is keeping and guarding us that we might forever be the possession of the Lord Jesus. Now the word called, that's the first word in the verse. And let me just read it again quickly. He says, to those who are called, loved by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ. I want to deal with called last, because I love this word. How many of you believe you're called? Amen. How many of you believe you're called? Now, what does it mean when he says called? It's from a Greek word meaning to be invited as to a banquet. Now, here's what he's referring to. He's referring to God's calling the sinner to salvation. And do you know that when he calls you to salvation, he was calling you to a banquet? Do you know that one day in heaven, you're going to sit down at the, at the marriage supper of the Lamb? Jesus didn't call you to misery and suffering. He called you to a banquet. Say with me, I'm called to a banquet. Can you look at your neighbor and tell him that's good news? What would you do tonight if you went home and there was a letter in your mailbox from Donald Trump? And it said, somebody told me about you. I'm inviting you to a banquet I'm holding in Trump Tower in New York City. Would you consider coming if I uh, paid your jet fare and whisked you there and put you in Trump Tower in a room and brought you to that banquet? Would you consider coming? How many of you might consider that? The rest of you are just need to pull your head out of your shoulders. Now watch. We would go, wow, what a thing to be invited to. That can't even hold a distant candle to what we have been invited to when we were called. You know, amen. See, when we heard the gospel, we were being summoned not just to be saved, but to a banquet, to a fullness, to an abundance in life, not available to people who don't answer the call. So, called. Jude is talking about the pre-salvation work of the Holy Spirit in which he brings the sinner to the place of repentance and the subsequent placing of his faith in Jesus Christ as his Savior. That's called. Last Friday night, we or Saturday night, we were uh, in Mesquite, had 1,750 people show up, and I just stood up and shared the gospel, and I called them. I'm not calling them to be religious. I'm not calling them to be Bible thumpers or to be weird. I'm calling them to a banquet. If you knew that, you'd get saved quick. All right, let's move on. Let's read the expanded translation, can we? 
Jew, a bond slave of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who by God the Father have been loved and are in a state of being the permanent objects of his love and who for Jesus Christ have been guarded and are in a permanent state of being carefully watched to those who are called ones. Hallelujah. Isn't that good stuff? Give the Lord a hand. That's all right. Now, you know, I'm glad he's being so nice to us believers because when he turns to the heretics, all this goodness turns the other direction. But let's read now. Can you read verse 2 with me? Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Now, when you hear the word mercy, it's in the Bible everywhere. Mercy is the gift of God poured out on us to relieve us of the misery that has come upon us as a result of sin. You remember in Hebrews where it says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain what? Mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. All right, there's the two words we're gonna be dealing with, mercy and grace. What does mercy mean? When God extends mercy, it is to the suffering and usually to those who are suffering as a result of sin. And he sends his mercy. Now let's look at it. Mercy is the gift of God poured out on us to relieve us of the misery that has come upon us as a result of sin. It's different from grace. Grace is what God extends when he freely forgives us. That's grace. By grace, you have been saved through faith, Paul tells us in Ephesians 2. By grace, by God's free forgiveness, you have been saved. Mercy, on the other hand, is what he extends to heal us of the suffering resulting from our sin. Now, watch this carefully. In our salvation, grace, which is forgiveness, grace must come before mercy because we must settle the sin issue before mercy can be poured out. Do you know that? See, in the divine order of things, God sends grace before mercy. And he approaches us about sin. He says, let me tell you something. I want to have mercy on you. I want to heal you. I want to make you whole. But I can't do it. I can't really bless you unless you take care of the sin issue. You got to take care of your sin. And the moment that I have forgiven you and you're clear with me, behind that is going to come mercy. And I'm going to show this to you. So say with me, grace is first. Mercy follows. You see, God's holiness demands, folks, that the guilt should be done away with before the misery can be relieved. Only the forgiven can be blessed. Have you ever noticed that? You know, you can, I've seen people come into healing lines in suffering. I've had distinct experiences in healing lines, for instance, with people holding unforgiveness and bitterness towards others. One time I was going down a healing line and I, I was anointing people with oil and praying for them. And I came to this one woman and I went to anoint her with oil and the Holy Spirit said, don't. I said, why not? And he said, because she has not forgiven. And until she forgives, I can't heal her. I send my grace, free forgiveness, and then I send my mercy. So I leaned into her and I said, ma'am, are you holding anything against anyone? And she said, yes, I am. And she told me, and I said, God can't heal you until you forgive. And here's what she said to me, I can't forgive. And I said, then he can't heal. And I moved on. 
I don't know what happened to her. But grace precedes mercy. You get your heart clear with God and wham, comes the mercy. And he starts ministering to you to relieve you of the suffering that is there because of sin. But you've got to repent. When you call people down to come to Jesus, it's not just to make a decision. It has to be repentance. And that's a beautiful six-letter word, repent. Because repent opens the door for mercy. And until you repent, there's no mercy because, because this is the way God's universe is set up. Let me just show you something. It's very interesting. Notice the order of words in the following salutations or the greetings found in the beginning of Paul's letters. 1 Corinthians 1.3. Can we read it together? Grace to you and peace. Now, I could put it this way. Grace to you, then peace. Grace to you, then peace. Because when you make peace with God, you receive the peace of God. But no grace, there's no peace. All right? He says, grace to you and peace, relief from suffering as a result of sin, will come from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 1-2. Can you read it with me? Grace to you and then peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 1-3. It's the same thing. Let's read it. Grace to you, then peace from the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1-2, exactly the same greeting. Grace to you and peace from the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians begins exactly the same way. Then you come down to 1 Timothy 1-2. Read this one with me, would you? Grace, then mercy, and then peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. So here's the divine trilogy, all right? Here's the divine trilogy. Grace followed by mercy, followed by peace. Grace, I repent, free forgiveness. Mercy poured out on my suffering. Peace as a result. That's the divine trilogy. In the divine order of things, we never hear God say, peace and grace be to you. You don't find it. But always grace, first forgiveness, and mercy, which results in peace be to you. There is no peace or relief from sin suffering until repentance and forgiveness have come. How many of you can testify that's true? Amen? I mean, until you repent, you're in misery. <laughs> until you repent, you in misery. And then once you repent, ah, here comes the mercy. Hallelujah. All right, we're about done. Is everybody happy tonight? Yeah. All right. All right, peace. Peace is taken from the Greek word that means to join, to join. So peace means to join together that which has been separated. You can have warring spouses. You could have a marriage where they were separated. And then let them come to God and repent for whatever different things caused all of this and let peace come. Then once the peace comes, they're joined. Now that's just a physical picture. They are joined together. Now. When you make peace with God, it brings a joining. The blood took your hand and God's hand and joined them. That's what the blood did. That's what reconciliation is, 
Aren't you glad to be reconciled to God? So Jesus, through the blood of his cross, has made peace between a holy God and sinful man and has joined the two back together who were separated by sin. This rejoining brings tranquility to the believer. Now the word love is simple, it's agape. And that divine love, which God is, and which is shed abroad in the heart of the yielded saint. So let's just read the translation together, can we? Mercy to you, and as a result, may peace and love be multiplied. Amen. Thanks for tuning in today to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. With the busy schedule everyone has these days, it means the world to us that you would take this time to listen. Let us know how it has touched your heart by calling us at 877-884-3111. You can also connect with us at our website, hardwired.org. It's no secret that our country has had some extreme challenges over the last year or two. People have been going through depression, isolation, emotional pains, disillusionment, and more and are looking for something to grab a hold of for security. Well, the answer is not in something, it's someone, Jesus Christ. And that's what this program is all about. So here's how you can help us get this message out. Being a listener-supported program means we rely on the financial partnership of our listeners, which means you. And we believe that these messages with Pastor Jeff are making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. You can contribute by giving us a call at 877-884-3111 or at our website, hardwired.org. 877-884-3111 or go to hardwired.org. Thank you for your very generous gifts. God bless and thanks for listening to Hardwired. Hardwired.